You're listening to the Anomalous Podcast Network. Multiple voices, one phenomenon. Welcome back to the Disclosure Team YouTube channel. Thank you. Uh, yeah, first of all, thank you to everybody sending me messages of get well and stuff. I obviously got hit with the uh, the virus. Um, so it's been a, a tough week, let's say. But uh, I'm bounced back now. Feeling pretty good. Just itching to get back into work. These interviews and a million other things that I've got to catch up on. Good to see everybody here in the live chat. If you guys have any questions throughout the interview, please just pop them in capital letters. Gives me a better chance of, of seeing them. And if you can keep the chat cool, calm, collected, I appreciate that as well. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. And my guest tonight, he was graciously um, able to reschedule it. And, and I'm so stoked on that. So let's, let's, let's get to it, shall we? Um, you guys know him. He needs no introduction. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Tupa Cabra or Sam. Hey, Vinny. That was quite the intro. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's my pleasure. What do I call you? Do I call you Sam or Tupa? You know, I feel Sam. like Sam. Sam is yeah? great. Sam cool. Is great, okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good, man. Like I said, thank you so much for, for being here. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation, man. You know, I've been jumping in and out of spaces of yours for some time now. Um, I found spaces obviously a while back and I, I always just never really knew too much about them. And, and then yours are just the, the structure, the conversation, the people that you draw in, it's become a whole new thing for everybody. So, that, so we'll get to that uh, um, at some point, but listen, I, I hope we could start with you just giving us a bit of background about yourself and I guess how the UFO subject first came into your life. Hmm. Wow. Uh, so I just have been uh, interested in it forever. You know, I've, I've always been like interested in art and all kinds of stuff. That's how I got into like drawing and film and, and uh, I ended up going to film school and then getting out of there and then doing a bunch of music videos, commercials and stuff locally here in the Northwest. And it was cool. It was a great way to like continue that passion to figure out a way to make a living off of being creative. Um, and so that's what, you know, kind of drove me for a long time. and uh it still does so it's 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 been really cool i know i have a lot of friends who aren't at all in the same way creative um so they all have regular jobs and they've watched me you know do all these random things and be like what the heck are, what's going on <laughs> uh so it's been it's been really cool and um the ufo topic came to my attention kind of first i think as a fear uh when i was a kid i had an experience and i, I couldn't place it i didn't know what was going on it was very weird very strange um and and so frightening i kind of kept it to myself um and i just woke up to what i thought was like an apparition in my room uh and i couldn't like place it and it was so scary that i it wasn't just scary that it happened uh it was scary to think about talking about it like it was mm -hmm. when i thought about talking about it I got this intense fear that I would be um, like taken away or like, you know what I mean? Set aside. And I didn't, as a seven-year-old kid, you're just not pumped about that idea in any way. So uh, I didn't talk about it for a long time, but something strange happened uh, shortly after. And I was, you know, my mom, we used to always watch TV. And one time I walked into the living room and she was watching some movie about uh, alien abduction. I had never seen anything like this in my life. Uh, I think, through pop culture, I had seen like probably a drawing of a gray alien, but I'd never seen one represented in, in real life, in real time, in physical form. And so uh, I turned and looked at the TV and she was watching, it looked like a POV, looking up, that standard looking up with a bunch of grays looking down. And that, uh, it, I'd never been that scared in my life. I almost fainted. I fell to the ground and no one saw me fall. And I just kind of combat crawled out of the living room and I couldn't even look at the screen. And so for the rest of my adolescence, that was the number one fear of my life was this gray alien. 
And when I would like walk, you know, I take the trash out at night, you know, like when you start to feel something behind you and you're like, maybe I should run a little fast. Maybe I should go fast. That's what was going <laughs> through my mind. So I was always fascinated about it, but I couldn't, you know, I never was scared realistically about being abducted. I never thought that I'd ever seen an alien, nothing like that. But it was a real, it was a real fear. And so uh, anything I saw after um, that moment and the moment of, of seeing this being in my room, like anything I saw that was related to paranormal or whatever, I looked at it, I, I was glued to the screen because there was no answers because I wasn't sharing that information with anyone else. So as a kid, you know, you have access to TV. It was before the internet. And so I just was glued to anything like it. And then, um, yeah, uh, kept seeing different programs, different things, kept kind of gathering information. You know, if I saw a book in the library, I would grab it, I would read about it. Um, I'm not the, the most studious reader at all. So I love I loved video. I love like being able to just watch stuff. And so yeah, I just yeah. went on for a long time of gathering information, little bits of data, uh, and then just kind of growing with it and growing with it. And now I'm, I know a lot of stuff about it. I don't know a lot of names. I don't know a lot of places. I don't know a lot of titles and stuff, but I know the, a lot of overall concepts, a lot of like the yeah. ideas and the, you know, a lot of that stuff. So the bigger picture stuff has been still kind of fascinating to me. And so when I went into making videos about the topic, it was really easy. Like I had a lot of foundation to work from. Plus people were coming out with some really interesting things that, actually like apply or let me apply you know some of my knowledge to the, to the phenomena actually you know what i mean and so that's been really exciting too lately but yeah that's my background with my that's interest awesome. in ufos that's totally cool and i like it that it isn't the state it's kind of the opposite to me in a way because uh, I am kind of more read and I learn from books. It's very like um, ed education wise. And, and, and I, mm. I feel like that's how I portray myself. Whereas you, you've got all these great theories and you're able to talk about the kind of more esoteric side of things, which to me, I, I really struggle with. I, 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 I research it, I read things, but I can't then vocalize it back. Uh, and you're really good at that. And I love that. Um, and it showed, I think, with some of your work, your videos, especially uh, Shadows of the Invisible Sun. I mean, that was mind-blowing, man. Like, I have to ask, when's part two coming? Man? <laughs> I've been working on it. It should be out in like a week. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it took a long time to like gather, you know, with that film, uh, like I said, it, it was a platform to apply all this stuff that I've been kind of gathering a, a way to articulate it in a way, right? And, and and I needed the information that I had just gathered in order to do that. And so a lot of those recent interviews with like Gary Nolan and Diana and stuff, those I need I needed those. I needed I needed to hear those things. I needed to know those things in order to place this stuff. And so with miracles, there was so much more coming out too. Like there's a lot of information, and I needed to really sit with it i needed to understand it and i needed to watch you know more things and you know i have this weird method where like i'll just channel surf and i'll just click on links and see what happens and more <laughs> often than not more often than not along that journey i'm like hearing someone say something that's like oh that's eerily similar to this or this idea so then i'll use it and it, it, it happens like that so i'm in one of those modes for like a week and even up until last night i found a video someone talking about something uh, that I had never heard. I never heard this person talk before. And it was exactly, you know, like the glue that I needed between two scenes that I'm editing right now. And so now I'm applying a lot of that stuff out there. It's, it's, it's fun, man. It's, it's a good time. Like, but you know, it does, it, there's, there's this analytical way to look at things, you know, which is great and it has meaning, but then there's this, also this weird way to look at things that our society doesn't really know how to place value on. And I think mm -hmm. like one of the only ways we can do it is with like art, you know, we want to categorize it as art, like, oh, that's, that's art. And then you remove the, the value from it, the like mathematical truths of it. You know, it's almost like math is like truths of the physical world and like art or beauty is like truths of this other world, you know? Yeah. And so with shadows of the invisible sun, it's like a, a matter of applying like, those two things how do you blend those two things how do you get uh meaning from it how do you start to figure out the the rigid borders of this object if it's not definable if we've always just considered it like in the in the in the like the ether and stuff you know and that's where i think the marriage of, of making these videos has been really helpful for me because it's allowing me to apply all these this education all this stuff into an art form 
You know what I mean? And then the, those things blend together and then now it becomes its own thing. And a lot of people, it resonates with a lot of people. And it's talking, you know, I, it's kind of strange, but it, you know, if, if you can imbue like a project with the philosophy of the project itself, if it can reflect that, then it starts to really be that thing, you know? And that's what I feel like it became. It's just this, it's what it is. Cause it's supposed to be that message and, and tell you like, Hey, there's a little bit more to art. There's a little bit, we're as a society maybe applying too much meaning to the analytical stuff and we should start to figure out what we don't know and work yeah. in that in that world a little bit and it's fun not everybody could do it not everybody likes it i mean anyone can do it but not everybody's drawn to it for some people it really freaks them out i know people if i talk about this stuff they get like anxiety or they'll get like <laughs> you know they'll get like a headache and stuff it's because it takes a lot of concentration and a lot of um conceptual metaphors and ways to think about things to navigate them uh, with film and with video, it's really, really fun because you're just like, you know, almost like making beats or something. You're just adding things to it, layering things. You know, we need some strings in the background or like, a, you know, maybe we should turn the tempo up a little bit or turn it down. You know, all those experiments can be made with with a video. And at the end of it, you have this piece of like educational art or entertainment, however you want to look at it. But it's cool. Yeah, no, I, I feel that completely. And I think one thing I would add into that is you, you hit it at the right time when Shadows came out. Uh, you know, at that time, it was so poignant. And I think that's what resonated with a lot of people. Certainly it did with me. So I was like hyped. And then I was like, I want more. Then I saw the trailer for the, the next one a few months ago. And I'm like, oh, another one's coming. And then it didn't come. And I'm like, damn, I need it. I need that fix. So that was awesome, man. It's a good to have people hanging on, you know, waiting for that next that next piece. That's a it's a good thing. You've obviously found something that works, and so yeah, kudos to you, man. Thanks, man. Thank you. So let's move on and talk about the timeline because this is a, a project that you have been working on for quite some time now, and you know, I think a lot of people are aware of it, and you've you know you've shown it off a little bit on other interviews. But I'd love it if you could kind of uh, talk about why you wanted to do it and how it came mm. about, and then we'll actually take a little look at it if you don't mind. Sure, sure. So uh, I was watching a lot of um, podcasts, you know, and I was trying to learn more about what was going on, and I found myself kind of outgunned in the the paperwork work oh. me out oh you're good. that bugged me out like you know i was i would listen to people very educated very smart very very studious like look into this reference you know rendlesham and all this stuff and as as, as much as i could learn about those incidences i could not place them on on a in a timeline i could not figure out when what came what and if we were talking about two events i wouldn't be able to know how close in time they were which came first and, and it bugged me out. Like I, I didn't like it at all. And so I tried to really think of ways I could solve that problem for myself. And, you know, I, I thought about flashcards. I thought about, you know, just creating a word doc and then listing it out. Um, but nothing that didn't really, I didn't like that at all. So, uh, you know, I realized, well, here I have like an iPad, I have a computer, I should be able to, and I know graphic design, I should be able to come up with some, um, and I, I, I found some apps that let me kind of make something like it. Let me draw lines between things. And then I just forced it. Uh, can, I went through a lot of renditions to see if it kind of worked. And, and eventually I found a format that uh, kind of reflected the way I think about stuff. And, it, and then for the first time, I, I felt that if I showed this to somebody in this form, that I wouldn't look crazy that I wouldn't look like I spent too much time on something that was ridiculous. And so I just kept refining and making it look a little bit shinier. And then I started showing it off to people that I knew and they didn't know what the hell they were looking at. No one cared. You know, they just, <laughs> they don't know about UFOs. So I was like, but doesn't it look nice? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, it looks pretty good. So that was cool. Um, and then uh, while watching some interviews, I was able to use the time i was able to bring it up and then like people were talking about events and i they happened to be events that i had put in the early version and i just saw i was like oh this is actually really fun this is actually really really helpful and uh yeah then i was doing something one day and i was like wait people don't know about this no one no one knows about this and here we are like i'm on ufo twitter it seemed like it'd be cool so I recorded a screen recording of myself just using it for 20 seconds and then posted it. And it like was, it, it, it got a lot of attention. I got a lot of people hitting me up, people that I had uh, 
included in videos, people that I had only dreamt about talking to were, hey, <laughs> what is this? What did you do? And I was like, oh shit, like, okay. Uh, so this is something that's, I didn't realize it was gonna get like, I didn't realize it was gonna be um, received that well. And then uh, I've talked to several people since then um, about it and about why it may be picked up and why it works. And uh, my instinct was kind of right. Uh, my intuition that this was reflective of how I analyze data and how I apply weight and meaning to certain data. And then um, I just didn't give my, I couldn't visualize a timeline in my own mind that was strong enough, rigid enough, uh, robust enough to sustain just in my imagination. I had to bring it out into the real life. And, and I think that's where we're all at. I honestly do. Like some people are much better at this than others. Some people have a better visualization than others, but like I couldn't wrap my mind around this. So I didn't think a lot of other people could. I know a ton of people don't think visually anyway. So, you know, it, if you could, I, I feel like I created something that answered a question and answered a desire. Like, hey, yeah, no one knows how to place these events on time. Like, could that be one of the reasons of secrecy? Could that be an accidental tool of the secrecy, ignorance, and the inability to visualize the bigger picture in one in one thing? You know, and it's interesting too, because the more you look at it, when I look at like analogies to how to describe the fourth dimension or a fourth dimension perception to a three dimensional creature, how, do, how would you do that? I often use uh, an analogy of like looking at a map, you know, like you can, if you're in a traffic jam and you don't know what's caused the traffic jam, you're just stuck in your, on your flatland. You can't see in front of you. You can't see what other routes to take. So you would like in the fourth dimension, you would be able to elevate yourself up and then look at the road. Look at what ways you could go, what ways were smarter, what ways would take longer. Uh, look at what caused the accident. So how far away are you from that moment? Right now in, in this world, we don't know those things. Our perception yeah. of time is so limited. you know. So a timeline is in many ways a crack in the, you know, it's a bridge that can be made by us to bridge this gap between the ignorance of, of our perception of daily life and the overarching view of time. And so, you know, the timeline provides us with a roadmap of like what's going on, what has happened. And I think from it, um, you can come to conclusions and anyone can just like an event, like anyone watching an event, every single individual is going to come away with their own experience, their own memory, their own interpretation of what just happened. And the timeline will act that way. In my opinion, that anyone can look at it, but you can start to like, if you focus on one thing or another thing, you can start to draw connections between stuff and come to new conclusions about how are these events connected? Why are they similar? Why are they in sequence? How come they're in chronological order this way? How come, you know, one came before the other and are they related? And so that's the, that's the power of, of being able to just to visualize the data in front of you at the, at the swipe, zoom, all that stuff. As fast as you can think is as fast as you'll be able to look at something. And, you know, we don't let, we don't let our visual processor this imaginative thing, we don't let it analyze stuff. We don't like, we don't set it free on the analytical material world. We just let it kind of like assess patterns and stuff. And that's great. But when we look at the data, like, you know, it's all paperwork, white paper, it's all boring. <laughs> and a lot of us people just check out, you know, like, I feel yeah. like I'm not a stupid person. But if I'm looking at paperwork, I start to feel really dumb. Like, I don't know what I'm I'm not dyslexic or anything like that. I don't have a learning disability. I just have a learning distaste <laughs> for just boring information. Um, and so, yeah, with this, I think it's kind of like, a, it might be one of the best weapons I've ever seen against the secrecy, just by solving that little problem of letting our creative brain analyze this data first. Because when we've all looked at it, our, our predecessors have looked at it the pioneers of before you know like have looked at this data and not be able to make sense of it. and so they're not like in my opinion it's like we've done enough of the checking off of lists and enough of like the trying to categorize everything now i think we should unleash our creative mind on this problem and see if we can come up with some new answer that's a really, really well put man i love that let's take a look at it man one thing i'm just going to pop it on the screen if you could just give us through like a couple of examples i'm just going to go and shut my door so i'm just going to mute myself right, uh, on, I can't right hear on, you. but yeah just give us some examples man that'd be awesome thank you in fact cool. let me just that'll make it a bit bigger is that all right am i missing that bit at the bottom is that important or? no it's i'll just zoom all the way out. it looks really kind of like an insect or something when you zoom all the way out wow, uh, and also sick. also all the things are on 
you know, there's some stuff that's on, some stuff that's not. So you can turn all of these things off and make them so that you're you're not necessarily seeing them. So the close encounters, you can just collapse that. And now on your timeline, you can only be looking at military contact, different programs, different people that have done different things, uh, and where on the timeline they've done it, where have these projects come out. Uh, now, I'm not trying to blow up anybody's spot on this. I know that for some part, some of this compartmentalization is probably necessary, but yeah, this is available. This is available data. You know what I mean? And so let me go and shut this window. I can hear you still, but keep going, keep going. <laughs> so, like, to be able to place this these string of events, I think, is was just a really important thing. The moon landing, and then the you know, when did we do that in comparison to other stuff, other technological advances, other uh, programs that were coming out. Um, the fact, and I learned this from Red Panda Koala, actually, the fact that Edgar Mitchell, when he landed, came back and started all this very interesting stuff. And so here you can see, you know, he, the programs they got into, where those programs kind of led, um, different people and, that are in there and what they kind of do in the program. And I'll be adding a lot more to it, but this is like the more of the minutiae stuff, but still to be able to connect these dots, I thought was really, really interesting. Um, this is another string of events that I didn't ever know in my life uh, happened in, the, in this way. And that would be like this situation here, World War II all the way to, let's say the DC incident. And so World War II, you saw a lot of uh, Foo Fighters, a lot of reports. And then you get into 1942, the Battle of LA happens, and that's kind of a bizarre event. I didn't know that they were, you know, that that happened before Roswell, for instance. I didn't understand that. Um, you have the, the first nuclear blast in 45, uh, and then Operation High Jump in 46, uh, the Roswell crash in 47, and then you have a sighting in Fort Knox. I think a pilot crashed and died uh, trying to figure out what was flying around there. Uh, and so that's an interesting string of events that I had like no idea uh, were so close together. None at all. There was no indication for me, even from reading, that I should like uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, so that was kind of like an interesting little gift to get. Uh, and then if you apply the rest of the sightings from that too, you have Kenneth Arnold sighting, the first so-called saucer, right? Uh, in 47, just a month or less than a month before the Roswell crash. Yeah. And then after, after that, now you have the McMinnville photo, the Great Falls UFO footage, and the McMinnville photograph is one of the most you know widely regarded like real photographs, right? Um, and then we have this Lubbock Lights, which there was just a recent thread about the Lubbock Lights in uh, Texas. Um, so that was very, very fascinating. But yeah, having this stuff here and being able to see it is, I think, you know, super uh, great. And so from there, just the idea of how do you add detail to it and what kinds right. of branching out could be. And so some of the things you see now are like um, proof of concept type, type of thing. So we know, I know for sure that I'll be able to analyze the saucers, for instance, and I'll be sure. able to highlight how when and how these saucers were popping up. So if I wanted to, you know, see it, I can see how often these saucers were coming up versus how often a Tic Tac was coming up. Um, and it'll go on down the list through the cigars, the triangles, orbs, all this stuff uh, will be down there. And uh, then it just kind of goes on. Now you can see certain things are going to be interesting when I start to add um, geological or geographical, sorry, geographical like um, displays. So essentially okay. a globe or a map. Um, where you'd be able to view this timeline uh, as like little dots and points on a map. So you'd be able to tell like a little bit more like what's going on. Um, the fact that Italy, for instance, has these sightings, they're kind of back to back. There's a flap in Kolaris, like all these things are happening. Um, and the idea is to be able to spin a globe or look at a 2D map on a widget as it pops up. Um, right. And then you'd be able to hit play and watch all the sightings pop up in chronological order. Um, and you'd be able to find a rhythm, a pattern to it. Uh, I think like if you were zoomed in on one one process of some biological form, you would have no idea of the enormity of it or what was going on. You can get lost in the complexity of it in any little spot, um, but then you could zoom out and be like, oh shit, I was looking at one single cell of like a kangaroo, I had no idea. And I think with this type of um, data being displayed this way, you'll be able to identify like, oh, there's some patterns here. Um, and one of those is gonna be um, temporal, a, a rhythmic. Okay. I think I think there'll be a rhythm. Um, so as, as as interesting as this is to look at, and you know this is still kind of an analytical thing to do. Um, mm -hmm. But if you hit play on this on a map, 
you might identify uh, a rhythm, a timing to this, um, to the sightings, uh, to the events, and that rhythm could reflect a lot of different things. And so one of the things I decided to put in here, um, just as a tidbit of information, um, was solar activity. And so this is anything from solar flares to, um, you know, unusual sunspots. And then the, right. the idea of how far, how far back does that data go and what does it coincide with? Uh, not that it is in any way an explanation for UFO sightings or abductions or anything, sure. but it is it is a temperature check of our solar system, the system that we live in, um, and to see if there's any natural rhythm um, that coincides, you know, could the event of solar activity, could the process of intense solar activity um, change the medium that we're in and highlight certain things to us that would normal, uh, normally go invisible or unnoticed. So yeah, those kind of things I think are going to be great to dive into. And of course, I got like different key figures, uh, Crowley, uh, Tesla, I thought these guys were interesting, um, but yeah. all tertiary, you know, it's just an example. How many different people could you put in here and what could you see as it kind of like lines up? And with Tesla, um, what an enigma, uh, super vital if you look at the way that our technology is today. So having his information there um, for me is huge, especially when... You know, in 1899, he thought that he had contacted aliens uh, via his like radio signals and stuff, right? And so um, these are these are very very connected. Along with Crowley, you know, what is this guy? Uh, another enigma figure. Oh yes, uh, I know him very right? well. Exactly, exactly. But then he <laughs> has he has a thing where he contacts a being and you know describes it kind of like a gray alien, but still it's a, regardless of its appearance, it's still a ultra terrestrial or some type of non-terrestrial life form um, that this guy through his practices felt that he was able to wrap meaning around and define in some type of way. So that's an interesting um, thing. And then in uh, 1917, it happened that's the same year as the, uh, the Fatima appearance. So, you know, there's different coincidences like that that kind of pop up that will, I would have never pieced together. It would be an anecdote for a TikTok story or something. But here, <laughs> it's it, you know, here it's data. It's a yeah. it's available data that might add absolutely. To something. So yeah, um, more to come. Right, all these different types of things. I mean, the Skinwalker Ranch uh, node is going to be bananas. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a <laughs> lot to it. Um, and so yeah, one of the one of the main features that I'm trying to include in this because I've spent so much time in spaces talking to experiencers and talking to other researchers and a blend of both is that people are going to want to use this and also be able to like add their own like note so you know the idea of someone being able to get their own ui to it their own account and essentially add pins and also add nodes themselves to their own ui so it wouldn't affect the overall design but someone would oh, be able to be okay. like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna connect my experiences to these as well so they'll be like okay in 1985 you know i did this and then i saw this and so they'd be able to add it along here too and that would be something as simple as one of these nodes that you just be able to turn on and turn off uh, so yeah. that way you can always contrast and compare your experiences your own your own forms of study because like you know it, as a graphic it's cool and it's interesting and it's buzzworthy but as a tool it needs to be um usable for everyone uh, who's fascinated and i've found a lot of people who are fascinated our experiencers and you know are yeah. deep into research for a lot of reasons and so you know it's a yeah it's a key element and in a, in a way it kind of reminds me of like film like, okay i uh, i wasn't well versed in it as a as a young film student i didn't really pay attention to it too much uh outside of being entertained by it so when i started to learn about film structure about the way a story arc exists and what it and what it looks like I, I, it was easier for me to to use like flashcards to figure out what events went in Act One, what events went in Act Two, and Act Three. I couldn't bridge those gaps intuitively yet, and so like I needed to map it out. And then uh, that's what I think people will start to see here is there's an overall story here that probably goes far beyond government secrecy and all kinds of stuff, and it touches on probably the stuff that Lou Elizondo kind of hints at with his mm. like deeper comments about how. You know, this is going to call into question who we are, where we are, why we are here. Um, and that's one of those things that, you know, is, is a humanitarian, like, kind of question. Like, we got to figure that stuff out. Uh, yeah. And we can't just do it through, like, you know, old ways. There's got to be new ways here. But, yeah, uh, hopefully that explains this, kind of what's going down and what's to come, uh, how we'll be able to use it. Um, the fact that, like, you know, we'll be able to 
slim this down as much as you want to see only what you need to make sure that you know the stuff that's visible is, is relevant information and gives you the chance to notice patterns and whatnot. Um, a key feature too will be once you zoom out, it'll just kind of show the bigger events, and then if you zoom in, you'll get you'll be able to see a lot more detail. Uh, things right. like the the decade distance will kind of expand, and then if you zoom in further, the years expand so that you see yep. the months within the year. Uh, okay, all of it. You know, so it's fractal kind of, right? It's the way sure. you, you zoom in on a map. It gets infinitely more complex. And so I want to write that in the DNA of this project. So that way you can always grow, but you can always zoom in and zoom out as much as you want to. Because I think that there's a scale to time that we're going to need to kind of come to terms with as well. Yeah. Um, well, look at, well, looking at the data. But yeah, maybe looking at this will free up some stuff. Maybe looking at this will give us the ability to, you know, see it in a new way. Um, maybe it'll just be fun and a tool for people to scroll around and use while they're like, you know, on a stream and they're like, okay, cool. We're going to cover, you know, this year and look at all the stuff that happened in this year. Like that would be really cool too. I hope I see it on people's podcasts and, you know, when people research this stuff, I think it'd be really, um, really great, great and rewarding to see that. Um, so totally man i mean it's, there's no limitations really is there there's, there's not you can add anything in you know and it can, i guess it's going right. to be i mean this is draft one i can see by the, the the title of the the project i mean i see a lot of comments here with you know different things like this can be it's going to be added to exponentially it's gonna it, there's, there's no stopping what connections could possibly be made on the timeline it's forever evolving mm. Um, I am going to highlight this message from Melinda Leslie. She says, Sam is the working group, ATPWG and recent incarnations history built into that timeline. It needs to be included for sure. Duly noted. Duly noted. <laughs> that's a yeah, good comment, thinking, Melinda, with everything that's going is. on at the moment. <laughs> it absolutely is, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very new to the community of what's going on. So I'm all ears. I love getting feedback from people who've like, look, I've poured over this data. This is what I need to see. Like, yeah. I'm all here. Send me all the feedback. Send me all the ideas, all the tips, because, you know, and it's going to be ever growing. Um, you know, as it launches, there's going to be, you know, fixes and, and ways to apply those fixes and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm hoping that it becomes its own thing. And I'm very excited that people are finding utility in it um, and something that I made to help myself pay attention to podcasts because I couldn't follow along. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great, it's a great way to have made this. Well, dude, I'm just looking at the comments and the amount of positivity and people that are hyped for what you've just shown us is incredible, man. People saying Project Galileo should incorporate this data and oh, I wow. wish we could up update this with NIDS database. And someone says, this is how I think, you know, so you're oh, literally, wow. this is incredible, man. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's so cool. And and yeah, like uh, one of the things I want to do with the DNA of this project is to allow um, the, the easy incorporation of data, NIDS data, MUFON data, uh, you know what I mean? Come up with yeah. AI that can crawl that data and bring it in. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a thing that involves a lot of different um, things that I've never learned how to do in my life. So I, I'm now finding out about it and finding people who really know how to use it. But um, Project Galileo, you know, any project that's coming out that is looking for data, I'll, I'll say, I can say this a billion times, like being able to get data and analyze it and knowing how to navigate the, the, the journey to get to come up with an answer is not accompanied naturally by the ability to convey that data to other people in a way that lets them learn it too. A lot of people who are geniuses, they they will, you know, they're self-contained and they don't, that part about sharing it is difficult. And so I've done a lot, <clears throat> most of my childhood in school was about ignoring data. Like I wanted to do other things. So I'm good <laughs> at figuring out how to solve that problem, you know, intuitively for people. And so like all, all these companies and all these organizations are out there collecting it but they're gonna have a problem. It's gonna bottleneck on how they get that information out. And so creating things like this, or even things like Tupacabra, that allows uh, easy digestion of data, you know, it, it's designed to open up the bottleneck and get it out for people uh, and let people, you know, whoever wants to drape their data over this framework should do it. You know yeah. what I mean? Should, should figure out a way like, 
you know, there's never in my life have I seen, sorry, if you can hear the sirens, there's a bank they always rob across the street. But like, uh, <laughs> happens every day. Uh, but it would be like, it's the perfect way to drape the data over it. It's getting louder. It sounds like a movie, like a 1940s cops and robbers movie, man. Yes. It's dope. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Someone's like ringing a bell out there too. Okay, but yeah, the... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna see, and I I felt this. Um, I'm already seeing this. How do we explain this stuff? How do we get it out there for people to digest and understand? How is it done? And like I've never seen in the in this community a way to digest data um, yeah. like this. So it's I'm really excited about it. And like like I said, if anyone wants to figure out how to do it or figure out how to drape their data over it, I mean it's a button away, like a little click, and then you can see. Galileo's data or so on and so's data, you know what I mean? But it's uh in that sense, like it takes a lot of work to write that DNA so that it grows the right the right way. But yeah, I would really love to collaborate with people um and with organizations because you know it, it should it's there for us. It's it's made for us. It's made for us to put this stuff together and, and it should be used by everyone who can do it or who sees a utility in it. I'm more than more than open for that excellent dude and one thing i did see a lot in there is when can people get their hands on it good question good question so you know uh my goal was uh early 2023 and that's still a pretty good goal um and you know just to keep people updated until then and to keep it in the in the in our minds you know what i mean as it starts to grow and as it starts to develop but you know it's a it's bizarre to be uh doing so many different things uh as a, as a single person like it's there's a level of like absurdity to it that like comes along with it. So it's like, okay, when I can devote 48 hours to this, I do it. 48 hours to that, I do it. Sometimes less, 17 hours, five hours. Like, cause there's so many different things to do, but um, you know, it's, I, I find it to be kind of important. Um, spaces being the most recent thing that I stumbled into, yeah. you know, I Let's was, talk about uh, that. Let's talk about that, man. Let's sure, get into sure. that. Because like I said to you earlier, like, I was aware of spaces. I jumped into one here and one there, but now you have these kind of structured things where they're regular, they're long form. You know, you don't have to kind of rush. People don't rush in and get their point <clears throat> across really quick. It's a proper dialogue and conversation. You know, you, you, you let everybody speak and you even let controversial topics be spoken about. And they actually, you know, you see that difference between the, the, the actual tweeting and spoken word the difference is phenomenal on just portraying a single message so yeah tell us about how it how it started how it's going why you enjoy it why you do it and, and the whole big picture if you don't mind yeah uh so ufo twitter is hella toxic i'm not controversial <laughs> or i'm not gonna ruffle any feathers by saying that i think we can all agree um and i, I hated it and so uh that bank and so uh i would get on twitter and i would scroll through it and i would find things that were triggering me and i kind of enjoyed it you know and i had to understand that about myself a little bit of shadow work there of like hey i like this you know what i mean like and i'm watching other people feed into it and so like i had hopped into spaces i discovered them through learning about trying my hardest to wrap my brain around cryptocurrency, which I failed at. I couldn't, I don't like it. I couldn't figure it out. I almost threw my computer trying to get a crypto wallet set. I don't know, I couldn't figure it out. But along the way, how I was getting my information was I was hopping into spaces and talking to people directly. Because if you try to watch a tutorial on YouTube, they're gonna, they're gonna, you're gonna hear a smash the like and subscribe button a thousand times before you see the data you need, before you get the answer you need. So, you know, I've always been great at talking to people um or i feel confident talking to people and so i would hop into these spaces and i would talk to people about these questions you know how do you do this what is this about why would you do this what's going on and i found that it was so nurturing that that the spaces were different and so i was sitting there and i think it was during the uap trademark controversy that it really started to like where i was like oh this is the utility and how that came about is i was tweeting out an insult to the guys that, that, <laughs> that did it and i was piling on you know and then in the middle of it i was like why would i do this like this is not great and this is going to be here forever like 
and I started to realize, well, maybe people just need a chance to talk this out. And so I threw spaces open and then, it, and then it just, you know, a lot of people came on, people voiced their opinion and then Saucer Co came on, they voiced their opinion. And I found that it was a much better type of conversation. And my reverence for that respect and for that opportunity superseded my anger of like, oh, let's, let's, let's ring these guys as next for something that they're just doing for a business. Like, we're just not looking at it in the same way, right? And so that involves communication. I need to know where they're coming from and they should know what the community thinks. Like, what an opportunity for a company whose demographic has just turned against them. What an opportunity, you know, like plead your case, make your case, say what you want and then let it be. And like, that was a big, huge, a big deal. Um, and I, I think, you know, everyone was so respectful and even like Dan got in, he was upset, but like it, it, it's, a, you calm down immediately and you're just talking. And that's so much different than raising the stakes with every tweet, just raising them up until someone's, you know, really being insulting and being hurt and being hurtful. And it's like, dude, so spaces became a way to sanitize uh, my experience on UFO Twitter. And I, if I, I found that it was a lot of people really liked that too. And so I took what, the lessons I learned from being from those spaces about crypto or whatever being very helpful. Um, again, I don't know what that is, but like they were so helpful. I was like, well, we can turn that around here, and there could be people should be able to pop in and talk and ask questions. And you know, it it, it was really interesting. And then I started going into other spaces where people were just talking about anything. And then I would say, hey, you know, what's up? I'm Tupacabra, and I'm a ufologist have any of you seen anything and it was like an explosion of excitement in any spaces i popped into because people were definitely excited about talking about aliens and i came at the problem uh, in a unique way for the newcomer right uh someone who just sees ufos as a pop culture phenomenon and not like really anything else mm -hmm. how do they what what can you say to that group to the people the everyday people on the street who are actually online to talk about something completely different what can you say to them to make them go, oh shit, yeah, I want to know more about UFOs and I'll follow you, you know what I mean? And so I worked on that for a while and I was able to kind of sneak into other rooms, not change the topic, but bring up UFOs, have everybody excited about it and then just leave and then continue my my day. And then I, you know, a lot of people, you know, just everyday guys would be coming in. And then, you know, one of my favorite things is talking to people who pop in and they say, I've never told anybody about this, but when I, you know, Three months ago, like my sister passed and I saw a UFO like that night. It's always like that. And I'm like, man, this is um, incredible. And people have compared it to coast to coast, which I don't, I think it's like a mixture of coast to coast and paranormal love line or something. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? People are just yeah, calling sometimes to fill the time. And so like, uh, but it's, it, I didn't know that it would work but I wanted to make sure that every day I went to UFO Twitter, I would see a spaces about paranormal something, something. And now like it's happened and there's, you know, people really enjoy the platform. And I think it's not just because people like talking, which they do. It's, it is truly reflective of the, the toxic nature of the Twitter of UFO Twitter. Like it's an answer to that. And if people want spaces to be less than, then they should fix the way that they tweet and they should fix the way that they engage in the community because it's an answer to the negativity. It's an answer to the Twitter wars. It's an answer to the insults and the sharing of DMs and like, you know, the cancel the cancellation. Like if you, you know, if you want to do that, do it to someone's face. If you want to create an issue, like figure it out because it gets squashed in seconds on spaces and people just yeah. move on. And then they start talking about, the interesting parts about this topic that go beyond, you know, differences and politics and, and different types of views. Like we're in a human issue here We're we're having a human issue and we need to address this with all our faculties um, and the minimum character count or whatever of Twitter didn't, didn't provide it. Sometimes you need four hours to talk to 40 different people. You know what I mean? Sometimes you yeah. do. And, and so, that's my view on it anyway. That's what I've come to realize is like, you need to provide people with a platform that allows them to share things that were otherwise unshareable. And you can't do that with a warring, conflicting atmosphere. You have to provide a safe environment for it and just being able to be respectful. And then knowing that uh, respect leads to more respect, knowing, knowing that like time and patience leads to more 
um, people come in, the types of people that have come in to really participate in spaces, I found I've naturally gravitated to and, and vice versa. People who like like Daniel Jones and Shane and, and people mm. like Mike from Mind Escape podcast, like um, people are coming in with their skills, their their knowledge, their experience, their passion and applying it to these rooms now. And it's less of a production than a podcast, right? It's less than, yeah. it, you can do it anywhere. You could be on a jog or on a walk and pop in and listen. And so I think um, it was, uh, yeah, I use this phrase, like it lowers the bar of entry to the, to this environment, which people need to be in. So it's good. And I'm glad, I can't believe that it, it's picked up the way it has, but I intuited it and, it, and here we are. <laughs> Dude, I think you set you set a precedent, and I, you know I've seen a lot of people, other people doing them now, and I, you can tell that it's because of your influence, and I think that's incredible that it's you know people are now becoming so much more comfortable talking, literally talking, rather than tweeting is is great. So you know, it's a great platform, Twitter, for doing that, for putting that uh, function on on the app and the website or whatever. Yeah, it, um, it makes me laugh because I still see a lot of people saying, oh, these guys in their eight-hour spaces circle jerking sure. and that. It's like, sure. wait a minute. Come on, man. This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Just the hate, hated for hate's sake, man. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you know, it's going to happen. People are going to be critical about whatever's going on, and rightfully so. Everyone should be critical. Everyone should be able to share their, like, you know, their takes on it. I'm all for it. You know, people should be able to share how they feel if it's affecting them. Um, plus, anything new is going to have friction to it and so you know if your existence on ufo twitter was um you know dependent on your witty comebacks that you can think of over time and in live real action you can't do that um then that's fine you're gonna have to find your you know whatever but come into the spaces talk about it practice it figure out you know what the views about if you have a problem with them uh come in listen you know listen just listen one time share your idea see how it's responded to you know if you hear like i've heard that certain views are not welcome in these spaces that's not true you know what i mean it's like yeah uh there are you know come in and test that out let's find out because if we can expand uh the spaces as a community to include everyone then we're going to be way better off you know than excluding yeah. certain people or certain views so come on in totally man and i spend a lot of time in there listening you know i go to bed and my, my partner falls asleep she's like dead and then i jump in and then I get invites. Vinny, jump in. I'm like, oh, I can't, man. <laughs> like, it's like 10, 11 p.m. here. I'm lying in the dark just listening. And I like, I really wish I could. But this is the thing. It, even if you're like just a bystander, it's just super interesting to hear these kind of conversations happening in real time, you know, between everyone from all aspects of life, all over the world, together. It's incredible. So, you know, kudos to you for kind of bringing that to, to together in this neat package and yeah, I think it's awesome, man. Totally. Thanks, man. It means a lot. No worries. It's good to get cool. some good reviews of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I want to talk about... I've got so many things, actually, so... Sure, sure. Let's talk about... I'm not sure I understand. Not you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about religion briefly, because I'm a big fan of Diana Pasolka. I know you are as well. So I'd like to know how you have incorporated that kind of religious aspect. You mentioned earlier Fatima, I think it was Fatima on the mm. timeline. And I've been looking into that a lot recently, along with um, other apparitions like Lourdes and stuff like that. So how have you incorporated that into the way that you study the phenomena in general? It's taken a long time. Like, uh, I grew up without uh, religion in my in my life. And so Same. I didn't really know, I didn't know about it. And my mom was yeah. like, choose your own, choose your own adventure, you know, live it up. <laughs> and so uh, I remember like 10, 11, I found a Bible and I thought I should read it in case all, all hell breaks loose. So I started reading <laughs> and, uh, and it. And I didn't know what the hell I was reading. I didn't, I didn't get it at all. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you skip around it and you skim around. And then uh, through um, a series of events, I ended up um, living with uh my mormon family in la and like i had to go to church every sunday i had to go to seminary every morning before school i was in church <laughs> and so all my my relatives my cousins were all missionaries um and they were great and it was uh really forced me to take all these thoughts i had all this pride i had about being an atheist um and being logical and scientific and 
um, I had to be humbled by the fact that like my assumptions that religion made you stupid or or naive or ignorant, um, that was a bad assumption. I had to kind of come to terms with that. And I did so through like gaining love and respect for my family. So it was an easy transition. Um, I still didn't understand the concept, so I couldn't really fully invest myself in it. Um, but then around 19, I read a book on like a long bus ride uh, to LA actually. And it was uh, this book about Edgar Casey, And it was um, the first time I had ever been able to take all the stuff I had been learning about trying to figure out and then marry it uh, with all the stuff that I had grown up believing and thinking about atheism and about you know the logical world. Like I, I considered myself scientifically minded and I really loved that about myself. And so I was able through this tool um, of like the story, I was able to integrate both things together and find a scientific cause and scientific reasoning for religious thought and for uh, spirituality. And so I just carried that with me through my 20s and even to now, um, learning more about that type of thinking, learning more about the what ifs, and then constantly checking that against the, what I was learning as I you know, gained more knowledge. And some stuff I had to jettison and some stuff, a lot of it I got to keep on and hold on to. And so um, I didn't start to marry uh, ufology and religion until I read American Cosmic. And then I was able to do it again. It was a, a story, a tool that provided me the ability to integrate things together. Um, yeah. And so, you know, from there, I got into like the Mothman prophecies and other stuff. And, it, you know, all this stuff that I knew. Um, so the apparition I saw when I was a kid was was a woman and it was okay. a glowing. It was a glowing woman uh, and it was intense and it, and it matches uh, the descriptions I, I came across uh, since. Uh, discovering American Cosmic. Uh, Chris, Christopher Bledsoe is one of the cases that for me, um, as I heard the story, it it triggered something. And then as I, I dove more into Christopher as a case and as a person, um, it, it, it reinforced my initial thoughts, which was that this is something worthwhile. Uh, this is something that's, that's very significant. And so, you know, for me, um, we just have these, I, I view the way our consciousness is broken up, the way our world is broken up, you know, everything is so separate and, and, and that's great, but you need to marry things together to get a new view, a new perspective of stuff. And so, you know, looking at how ufology can be like religion is less about looking at the human need to, you know, to have religious thought, right? And it's more about, you know, applying, you know, historical evidence and, uh, and reverence for this force, this nature, this force of nature that we exist within, and then seeing if UFOs or this, this whole world of UFOs, what boxes those things can check off for each other. And, and through the work of Diana Pasolka, and then obviously more um, since then, you know, the realization is undeniable that, that the, there's a lot that can be checked off a lot of those boxes. They get checked off when you look at these things together. And that's not to say that like, you know, UFOs are a religion or UFOs are, are the source of religious thought or anything. It's just a matter of, you know, knowing their differences and then understanding their similarities. So like, I think like uh, um, there's a dreamlike quality to a lot of experiences. And uh, when people hear that or they hear me phrase that, I feel like a lot of times it's taken defensively and it should be. Because if, if someone gets the impression that someone is calling their experience a hallucination or a dream, they should defend that. And they should own, you know, they should, with all they have, that it's a real thing. Um, and I agree with that. It is a real thing. Um, but it is interesting. I put a lot of thought into this. This is actually what the movie Miracles is about, right? Um, this is what the film is about. The old, the, the film series that it's based on, the, the Shadows of the Invisible Sun, is a, is a thesis about the marriage of these two things, uh, religion or spirituality and technology or everyday analytical thinking. And like, how do those, how are they marrying and how are they manifesting? How is that marriage manifesting itself? And, and the idea is that, you know, it's kind of weird. Vinny, I mean, how familiar are you with like, uh, like union synchronicity and stuff? You know, this, like, there's all these 
weird things that basically were talking about how this time right now would be about the marriage of two different forms of thought, two different ways of thinking, right? From the analytical and then the spiritual, right? So uh, represented in the symbology of Pisces, the two fish okay. swimming in opposite directions, right? And then you have this introduction to the age of Aquarius, which is the water bearer, who you could argue is gifting the water, the water that the fish are swimming in. So now we're moving into an age where it was about duality for so long, light and dark, you know, left and right. And like now we're moving into an age where those differences are applied as a, as a part of the whole. So no longer are we going to have to live on one side or the other, looking at the opposite, comparing and contrasting our experience with other experiences and yada, yada. Now we can start to, you know, have a holistic view on it. And that's either coming through a type of evolution and thinking and conceptualizing stuff and new data through AI or through the help of computers, or it's also being reflected and, or it's also being reflected in the biology, our makeup. And I think that both are evident that there is evidence that our technology is allowing us to think in new ways. And it's also evidence that our biology is changing to allow us to think in new ways. And those ways are um, allowed, like, you know, with the timeline, you're allowed to zoom out and get a bigger view of it. And so, you know, I think, I think in a, in, in, a, in a little while, it'll be very interesting to have this conversation again, you yeah. know, three years from now to see where the, where the cards fell and where, what, what's what now, you know? And so, yeah. you know, it's, it, I, I predict there's going to be more of a blending of those two things and the work of Diana Pasolka and the work of Gary Nolan and, and uh, the Rice, you know what I mean? University, all these things, all these efforts, all these conversations, um, I think they're going to, to lead in that direction. And it's, it's not about like, you know, proving God or the soul or any, it's not about that. It's really about um, getting a better perspective of where we are, what step of the process are we at, if there is a process at all. You know, are we in stage two? Are we in stage three? Are we working towards something? Can we accelerate that? Um, that kind of thing. So I, and I, in my study of all religions, I try to study all of them. They kind of reflect that, you know, like there's a larger truth there. Uh, even in like myths, like the work of Joseph Campbell can tell you that there is a truth between all, all these stories and all these myths. And it's about human transformation through, through a story, you know. That's amazing. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. It is. It's super interesting. And, and it, I'm, I'm kind of almost the same. Reading American Cosmic and being introduced to Diana's work allowed me to finally pull that religious bit that I'd kept at arm's length for so long because I did not want to touch it. It allowed me to bring it in. And then, you know, for, for the last week, laid in bed, sick. I've been, you know, researching, you know, Lords, uh, Fatima as much as I can. And now, and, and Christopher Bledsoe as well, which I was really dubious of beforehand, but purely because I hadn't looked at it. And now I'm, I, it's opened up a whole yeah. new world. <laughs> Many questions. But, yeah. but, but something to look at seriously. And I'm really, I'm really glad that, that this subject allows me to keep finding new avenues and new directions and um and put try and piece them together and relate them to other aspects of the phenomena you know so it's just yet another thing that excites me about what i'm doing it keeps me you know in the now um and that so yeah it's just it's just awesome so um we've just about to hit the hour mark and there is one question that i've had from a couple of people that i have to ask you man how long have you been working for the CIA? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> That's a, uh, for everybody, that is a Twitter joke, by the way. Yeah, I love it's it. It's an in-joke. It. It's like uh, The Departed. I got kicked out of the academy, and they told me the only way <laughs> the only way I can really be an agent is if I go undercover as Tupacabra. So. Infiltrate. Infiltrate. <laughs> got to do it. Got to do it. I love I love those accusations. Like, like they're I said, cool, if my man. teachers could hear that, if my teachers could hear, they'd laugh so hard. It would never stop. Like, when I first got I'm, it last year on Instagram, like you're working for the, you know, for the government, you're putting out like all this, you know, disinformation. I was like, sure. Wow, am I that good? <laughs> right? It's so flattering. <laughs> so flattering. Or people have very low expectations of the CIA. It's one of the two. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I. I <laughs> 
well listen dude thank you so much man like we could we're gonna have to do this again but one thing i have oh, been yeah. doing i'm i'm starting to do a lot more panel discussions so i think next time i'd love to have you on with a panel we can do yeah. a long form bounce ideas back off a lot of other different kind of researchers i'd love to get diana on um with you as well um that would be a conversation and a half so oh, i love that yeah i'll try and make that happen man so yeah thank you so much brother i really appreciate um you've shown us the timeline everyone was super excited about it for anybody who wants to know more about tupacabra all his links are in the description below go and hit him up flood his inbox and his dms and all that <laughs> uh, show him some love man seriously um yeah i'm gonna be back in a couple of days for an all-female panel with katie howland priscilla stone Britt yeah. barbieri and steph elizabeth talking all things uap awesome. so yeah guys uh come follow me on all my socials check out everything do the same with tupa we love you guys thank you so much and we'll see you soon take care Peace. thank you benny thank you so my much. pleasure brother my pleasure see you later guys take care